Welcome to the Listen Money Matters Podcast, rumored to be Susie Orman's favorite personal finance podcast. For more information, visit listenmoneymatters.com. And now, here are your hosts, Matt and Andrew. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Listen Money Matters. My name is Matt, and I'm here with Andrew. Andrew, how are you? I'm good, Matt. Are you? Uh, yeah, I'm actually really good. All right, good. I was, I was, I was worried for a second. I'm I just, always, I don't know. Your voice said like, it sort of sounded like sarcastic. No, never, I didn't no. pick up on that. Okay. Well, all right. Before we get into things, we have someone on the show. We have a co-host, a a guest, if you will. His name is Mark Deal. He uh, runs the Foreign Investor Research Group, which connects uh, domestic businesses with uh, wealthy foreign investors. And let's say hello to Mark. Mark, how are you? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, I got that right, right? Everything intro was good? It, it sounded pretty good to me. Awesome. Well, so Mark, uh, you deal with a lot of wealthy people, right? I, I do. And I want you to, to talk about your background a little bit so that the, the listeners get to know who is Mark Deal. Sure. Uh and it'll probably be a surprising story for most. I obviously don't come from money, uh, yet I, I deal with a lot of people that, uh, you know, have more than a couple nickels to, to rub together. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I grew up, in, you know, in a, in a trailer park, uh, you know, when I was a, a real little kid. My father enlisted in the Navy when he was 17. Uh, he did 35 years in the Navy. I didn't even know that was wow. possible, but, yeah, Jeez. apparently it was. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, my mom stayed at home with, uh, with me and myself and my younger brother. Um, so she was a stay-at-home, you know, mom. And, uh, and my father, you know, had a, had a Navy job, not, uh, you know, probably not the, the, the highest-paying job out there. Mm-hmm. But at 35 years, he retired. Sure, he's getting the, the Navy pension, but um, you know they they did they made smart financial uh, choices, and they kind of instilled some of that stuff upon me. And it somewhat helped me, uh, you know, on, onto my uh, onto my ventures. You know, when when I started, uh, you know, 18 years old, I enlisted in the Navy. I did six years as a as a Navy nuke. Um, if there's any Navy nukes in the audience, I'm sure they're all screaming that, uh, you know, that <laughs> one you, of us are out there. <laughs> you know what? You got to tell me what a Navy nuke is. Yeah. Okay. It sounds so, awesome. <laughs> it does sound really cool. <laughs> it, yeah. It does. So essentially a Navy nuke is, uh, is someone, um, uh, I guess mathematically we, we we're in for six vice four cause our first two years are school. So mm-hmm. I joined the Navy right out of high school. I, I placed pretty good, you know, on some, uh, on some math and science tests. And I said, Hey, you got to take this, this extra test. Uh, I think they call it the, the nuclear field qualification test, whatever. Anyway, so I tested into this program and they threw me in a school for a couple years just to, you know, learn how, you know, nuclear energy works and how to run a reactor and those sorts of stuff. And, uh, spent some time on a, uh, on a, on a sub and, uh, and the rest, uh, a little over four years on, a on, on an aircraft carrier. So essentially nukes run the, the reactors in, uh, um, aircraft carriers and submarines. Wow. That's really cool. Actually. That is really cool. Yeah. It's it sounds cool, guys. It's a lot of uh, you know late nights watching a dial, and uh, you know sometimes if those dials move, uh, your your heart beats a little faster. So uh, yeah, it's uh, 
not obviously not a lot of sunlight. Uh, nukes don't get tans uh, <laughs> right. unless you count like you know neutron and gamma radiation glow in the dark. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it, um, it, it's it's a small fraternity uh, of, of of folks. But uh, I got what I needed, uh, you know, going in, and I left. I got the you know the, the GI Bill, which. Uh, uh, you know, helped me get my uh, my undergrad, um, you know, bachelor of science, electrical engineering, and then um, later on did the uh, did the MBA route at a at a nice private school, and um, yeah, here I am. So, what got you into, you know, working with foreign investors and and uh, with businesses? Like, what where was that transition? Yeah, certainly. Um, I tell you what, I had a, a corporate job at a Fortune five company, and uh, you know, I wasn't too happy there, so. Um, I kind of created my own management track route. You know, I'd uh, I'd run a small group of people in in one area of function, say like engineering, and said, "Hey, I'm tired of this." So, I went into finance. I'm like, I I think I figured out finance. Let me go into sales. You know, mm-hmm. let me go into marketing. And, and folks are like asking me, like, Mark, what are you doing? You know, you could, uh, you know, go to the executive track, but you gotta, you know, you gotta pick an area, then climb that ladder. I'm like, no, I'm just I'm just here to learn from you guys and uh, and collect the nice paychecks. Um, so my uh, my wife uh, is actually a uh, an immigration attorney, hmm. uh, but and she she didn't do a lot. Or actually, she does none of this foreign investment type uh, uh, type stuff. But she obviously has a network of uh, you know her peers. And uh, I think back in two thousand seven, uh, there was a foreign investor. Uh, I don't want to get in all the different alphabet soups of visa types. I'll put your listeners to sleep. <laughs> but um, yeah, essentially, someone wanted me to or needed help writing a business plan. And uh, immigration attorneys didn't know how to write a business plan. The CPAs, when they wrote a business plan, it wouldn't pass. Uh, you know, muster with immigration authorities because uh, it just they they were missing the ball. So uh, I picked it up. I'm like, yeah, I could do this. I can connect the dots where they they need to be. And I, I wrote my first one. And then um, then I, I, you know, that that attorney passed me on to a couple other people. So I was I was writing business plans while I was. Uh, Still working at that company, right. and and these were for uh, smaller investors, uh, you know, folks that are essentially coming to America to bootstrap their own company, you know, uh, op- uh, sell their house and open up a you know a Circle K gas station or something like that, right. and um, yeah, so the 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 market was there, and uh, I kind of enjoyed the work, so I partnered up with. Um, uh, Dr. Ismael Fernandez. Uh, he's actually um, uh, he actually has a PhD from from Georgia Tech in aerospace engineering. Uh, he's actually a rocket scientist. I'm like, yeah, wow. you can do this. <laughs> I, tried to get, I got somebody smarter than me. Essentially, I always joke with him. It's it's like aerospace economics. So technically, he's kind of an economist. But I always joke that you know he's he's a rocket scientist. But uh, yeah, um, from there we hired uh, you know a handful of people and. Um, you know, start, you know, working with our, our clients and domestic businesses and forward investors and listen to what else they need, uh, you know, start delivering more value than they pass us around. And if eventually, you know, we start climbing up the, uh, I guess, the product chain, as it were, as far as, you know, dealing with, you know, bigger clients with, uh, with deeper pockets. You know, it reminds me of this joke I heard, um, a rocket scientist and a Navy nuke walk into a bar. <laughs> and, you know, I don't remember the joke, but I, I think it starts that way for sure. But, uh, so, yeah, that's – so, I mean, you teamed up with a guy who doesn't really have a background in finance and neither did you per no. se. 
Correct. And now you have this finance company where you're where you're dealing with foreign investors who I mean obviously have money and they're looking to invest in companies that are here in the United States. That's correct. Yeah. Well, we both have MBAs, and uh, right. you know, an MBA covers a uh, you know pretty heavy uh, area in finance. Uh, we we both had uh, corporate jobs where uh, a portion of that we spent some time in a in a finance role. So um, yeah, we understood, but we didn't go the uh, you know the typical route would be you know go to like Bank of America or Merrill Lynch, uh, which well I guess. Is now owned by Bank of America, but uh, <laughs> go, go the investment banking route and and figure those that stuff out, and then mm-hmm. develop your own kind of boutique firm. Uh, you know, we did it from the value side. We said, look, uh, we know what uh, immigration. Uh, you know, we know what uh, you know the immigration uh, industry needs, and we're here to uniquely connect those dots. So before we started getting into getting into financial services, we started delivering value where they needed it the most. So they had mon- There was money on one side. There was uh, you know U.S. businesses and job creation, uh, which was key for our industry. Uh, on the other side, how could we connect the two in, in a method that um, say an immigration officer could understand? And uh, that's where we developed our, um, you know, our golden talents and uh, and became really good at that. And then from there, saying, hey, how did you like you know what we did? You know, they, they love it. Great. If not, you know, we want to hear about that too. You know, through all that uh, fulfillment, as well as the typical, you know, marketing and sales and, and loss leads. You know, just asking questions, why and what you need. Mm-hmm. And you know, after about four years of this, so we we started in 2010. You know, we're at where we are now. And so you deal, and you're dealing with with guys who have an incredible amount of money overseas. Yes. Which is interesting to me because, you know, I, I it's like I, I want to know how someone like that thinks about money because it's obviously much different from how, you know, people like Andrew and myself think about money. Maybe not Andrew, right? I don't know. You think you, you think like a wealthy uh, businessman who's overseas, right? Maybe. I don't know. How do they think? <laughs> yeah, how do they think? So, so um, give me an example of you know, like how, you know, what, of what you do and as far as connecting these, these investors to these businesses. Sure. Um, there's a few different stories of, uh, of, of how these piece together. Either there's a, a need on the domestic side or a need on the foreign investment side. Sometimes we make the total wing to wing connection. Uh, a lot of times we don't, and that's fine. Sometimes we kept, capture it on the domestic end. Sometimes we capture it on the foreign investment end. We can deliver value on both sides. So, um, you know, we're all good there. But uh, yeah, to really answer your question, uh, what does it look like? You know, for us, we only deal, you know, my firm only deals with a small uh, portion of their net worth. Um, Essentially, uh, you know, without going into a bunch of different requirements, they have to bring over a million dollars and create 10 U.S. jobs. So I only deal with about a million dollars each. Uh, they have, you know, considerable, most of them have uh, considerable more, um, you know, wealth mm-hmm. than that. And, uh, we have a couple of, um, joint ventures with, uh, financial, uh, advisory firms and international taxation firms that, um, either, you know, we have, uh, we have leads that we can share with them because they need that value or they share leads with us because they need our value. It's not like we're selling this stuff. Basically, hey, I got this client. He really needs your help. You know, please help him and vice versa. 
Um, yeah. So that being said, you know, we only deal with about a you know a million dollars a piece, and then the rest comes in through, you know, through other avenues. So for us, you know, when we touch their money, obviously they they want their money to to be around. They want their their money to grow, but we deliver. Um, you know, a, a second, uh, second, you know, value story to that, and we give them. I'm sorry, I wouldn't say we give them. <laughs> it's the United States government, but uh, we work with them uh, to put them on a uh, on an immigrant uh, visa that gives them uh, the same privileges as a as a U.S. resident. So, hmm. you know, household taxation credits. You know, their kids. Uh, you know, non married children. The ability to go to uh, to U.S. schools. Those sorts of things. And if they want, they can. Um, uh, they can become a a U.S. citizen quicker than uh, than most other people because they have so, a million dollars. I was just going to say, so the cost of a visa in the U.S. is a million dollars and ten U.S. jobs, roughly. You know, it's uh, it's certainly a, a touchy thing to say in my industry, um, and so you'll rarely hear somebody just come out and say, you know, what's the cost of a uh, of U.S. citizenship? Not a visa, but but citizenship. Sure. And uh, yeah, sure. the The short answer is a million dollars and uh, and ten U.S. jobs. So if if uh, say you're you're in China and you have a million dollars that you want to invest in um, uh, into the United States and create uh, ten U.S. jobs, then yes, there's a there's a a very quick uh, um, you know visa and path to citizenship for you. And they may um, not they may never use that, right? They may never come over here. Oh no, they they certainly do. In fact, that's okay. the driving force. Is uh, they uh-huh. want their kids to come to a U.S. school. They they want to buy a house in the U.S. And and again, for them, it only costs a million dollars. And in, in fact, some well, you laugh. <laughs> they uh, <laughs> again, it, it, it's it's a portion of their net worth. Sure. And uh, and there's other ways that they can do it for uh, for half a million as well. But the, you know the. The, the the rules get a little trickier and stuff. It's still to create ten U.S. jobs. So the key thing is invest money in the U.S. and create jobs. And there's other visa paths. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I, it would get pretty boring if I go in the whole alphabet soup of uh, of uh, visa types. But there's other paths um, through through non-immigrant visas where they can come here and work and uh, and own and create a business as long as it's not marginal. It creates some you know, jobs, you know, maybe like two or three or a handful or something like that. But that's, that's a different, uh, different type. Yeah. So that really didn't answer your question. You know, how do these people think in this particular scenario, they have money. It's almost like, um, uh, you know, Andrew, I, I hear you talk a lot about betterment. Um, you know, there, uh, you know, say if you gave them, you know, $10,000, uh, and they also give you, uh, you know, a free t-shirt as well. You know, like, oh, great, I, I get a T-shirt as well. If, if you had so much money that, uh, and you really wanted a T-shirt, say that was the only way to, to get a T-shirt, it, it somewhat makes sense for you. <laughs> and much like Betterment, you know, you're going to get your money back and, uh, and, and a healthy return, if you do it right. So in, this, in, in your analogy, the, uh, the wealthy investor overseas invests money into a United States business. The free T-shirt, quote-unquote, is citizenship. Right, and they're also growing that million dollars. 
Right. Now, citizenship, if they want it. Oh, they not, could. Okay, right. Yeah, we're not forcing anybody to be a U.S. citizen. In fact, if they just want to come and go as they please in, in the U.S. and out of the U.S. and have their family, you know, uh, you know, their, their spouse and unmarried children come in and out of the U.S. and, uh, and go to school in the U.S. here and, and live in a house here and then go back to their, uh, you, know, uh, you know, country of citizenship. Yeah, that's, that's the great thing about the visa is uh, they, they have that. In fact, the immigrant uh, immigration officers at the at the airport recognize this this visa type. Now, interesting. I've never traveled with somebody with this type of visa, but uh, I've always been curious. You know, how do these folks? You know, do they? Uh, is it almost like? Um, and again, I'm just speculating and guessing here. But uh, you know how at the airport you've got the uh, you know the first class you know luxury check in line. I wonder if they have the same <laughs> line at uh, you know immigration. Um, Know, authorities when uh you know folks are coming they in and out oh to. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're like so, the gold standard they have their own like waiting room where they serve them drinks and like, <laughs> i imagine so you know and it was, <laughs> is this guess. is this something that has started recently because it, it seems like you know when we had our economic downfall in 2008 i feel like the government was like all right we need to create jobs so right. let's get investors from other countries to do. I mean, that's the only way they can, you know. Yeah. Is that is that when it like really took hold, or has this uh, been going on for years and years and decades and what have you? Yeah, I, I don't have uh, I don't have the notes and records in front of me. I think this program started in 1993, so it's okay. been around for a while, and um, you know, it is related to the immigration uh, industry, and uh, you know, a lot of you know, you've heard uh, immigration reform get. Uh, you know, pass through the Senate and get locked up in the House and yeah. knocked down and then going back again. I will say that, uh, and people talk about different visa limits and H- H-1B visa quotas, so you don't take out the domestic workers because they're hiring a bunch of, uh, you know, folks on H-1Bs. I will say that, uh, you know, everyone in, in every branch of government that uh, that I have seen or talked to or read about on both sides of, uh, of the aisle um, they they know this program and everyone supports this program. <laughs> so no one said, "Oh, we get we need to get rid of this." And the truth is, um, they they do have a quota on this type of investment visas, and only till recently, uh, until the last couple years, Matt have uh, have we started getting close to that quota. And a lot of it's been because of the uh, the downturn. Um, mm. I. You know, I've seen different uh, different businesses and different uh, you know market information, and yeah, this. Uh, and I'm sure you know, a lot of your listeners have heard the same thing. Uh, you know, in in two, late 2008, when this meltdown started to occur and, and got worse in 2009, 2010, it hurt a lot of people. It didn't really hurt the rich that badly, and in fact, yeah. they recognized some of the signs beforehand and even saw that opportunity as a. You know, a, a change in the in the business environment. And whenever there's a change, whenever whenever there's an inflection, whether it's up or down, you know, th- there's money to be made. And, right. and typically, these folks have the uh, you know financial literacy to to understand that and know what to do with it. So let me ask: um, You deal with these these wealthy investors. You have money. You talk to them. I imagine. What what's the main? Are they all come from one country, or they are like kind of diverse in across the you know the world oh surely uh, certainly they're uh, they're diverse you know from across the world but uh china in the last three years as has really led the march it's mm. like uh again i don't have the numbers in front of me but they've almost doubled what they've done last year and the year before that is almost doubled as well so the um 
you know, the, 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 the wealth that's being produced in China, the, uh, you know, political and economic conditions in China, which is weird, but sometimes wealth and, and economics uh, don't always go hand in hand. Right. And, and some of the, uh, you know, some of the conditions over there uh, have have made it so that uh, you know more and more uh, Chinese nationals will will want to come over. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, in in my industry, it seems that uh, uh, you know China is the big focus. So you you are are so I I, I got to ask uh, on a personal level since you're working with these guys, have yeah. you learned anything that you can apply to your own financial situation or how you manage your own money? just from the way that they do their thing. And, and you could say no. Yeah, you could say no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I would say most of these uh, these folks, uh, I, I would say no. And it's not because they don't have uh, values to teach. It's uh, What they're doing with their money with regard to our firm is a little different than I would do with, with my money. I, I want my money to grow. Uh, and they want their money to grow as well. But, uh, you know, they're, they're doing this, this path, which gives them the extra bene benefits of citizenship. Now, what I do get to learn from are the, the domestic... Uh, you know the domestic businesses, the domestic business owners that mm -hmm. uh, are trying to uh, attract some of this, uh, you know, wealth. I, I've learned a lot about them uh, as far as like how they structure their their businesses, how they structure some of their their finances, and uh, you know the way they they position themselves. Um, but yeah, as far as you know. They're not counting lattes, uh, so right, it's kind of right. hard to make that correlation. Like, hey, do, do I do I pay for this car or not? When someone is uh, investing essentially a million dollars, so their their you know their kids can come here and, and go to school if they want. So I'm curious. Uh, say Matt and I were you know were interested in participating in this program, um, you know. And uh, we're like, hey, you know, for a million dollars, we will create 10 jobs. H how would this work for us? And could this even be something that might be like uh, the fuel for our business? Bottom line is, will a, will a foreign investor from China invest in a blog? <laughs> <laughs> if the blog could create and prove that it uh, it's going to create 10 jobs, and in fact, 21 months after they uh, after they invest the money, we have to produce the uh, the I-9s to show that uh, you did hire uh, 10 people. Mm -hmm. Now, there's also... With with larger funds, there's a way in which multiple investors can can group together and say invest in um, in a in a very large project, say like a uh, um, you know a, a a Hyatt you know luxury hotel you know two hundred three hundred room hotel that's worth you know many millions of dollars. There's a method by which we can show that the uh, Essentially, the the economic trickle down will create uh, indirect and induced jobs, and then count those jobs as well. So even if the Hyatt doesn't hire them, we can show that how the the fast food chain across the street uh, can now hire more jobs because you know that that Hyatt is is now there. Yeah, but again, that that gets way too technical. Right. I mean, is it feasible for, say, if, like, you know, we were to hire 10 staff writers or if we were to open an ice cream shop or something? Like, is that kind of 
where the money might go to? Or oh, it- sure. In fact, if you could, um, the blogging industry and the podcast industry is is not new. Uh, it's relatively new. Uh, I guess it's about five years old. So you could probably look out across the industry and find, you know, leading peers, leading indicators and say, hey, look, you know, this was one or two people. And uh, and then they they added products, they added services, they they enter joint ventures, and then you know within eighteen twenty one months, you know they they were ten people, fifteen people. That right there is uh, is is job creation. So okay. if if there was like a, if you could use the funds. Um, in approved method, uh, again, I don't want to get into all the rules and everything, but uh, essentially, if you have a business, either an existing business and you need fuel for growth or a new business, I, uh, I'd say about half the times with direct uh, high net worth investment, um, half the times it, it, they're startup companies. They're saying, hey, we've got this idea. Yeah. We, need, uh, you know, we need about a million dollars of venture capital. If we go to a bank, They'll shoot us down because we can't prove uh, profits. If we go to a uh, domestic venture capitalist, uh, the deals that they're going to offer us are too punitive and are going to take too much away from our our business. Uh, Let's look down this one path. Uh, and again, not a lot of people know about it, so it's uh, it's it's pretty. What yeah, would that, be the risks to Matt and I if if say we were going <laughs> to? I'm very interested, actually. I'm like, hmm. Right, 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 right. So, what would be um, the risks to me? Yeah. Well, I guess it's it's the same risk as you have with with any invest. I mean, the job of any business owner taking on an investor, your job is to get rid of that investor, and it, that should be understood on both sides. Otherwise, it's a partnership. So right. you know, we, we, we draft that uh, you know that agreement out. Uh, you know, typically we, we like a five year agreement. We'll we'll extend it out out to, to seven years if uh, if need be. But um, if you don't sell, if you don't uh, make money in those seven years, you get deported. Isn't that how it works? Well, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> As a business owner, you're like if you didn't, if, if you fucked up, you're getting deported. Sorry, you're just you're going no. you're going to another country, it's, third uh, world. Yeah, it, it's the same thing that would probably happen if you uh, defaulted on or, or went belly up in any other uh, you know venture capital. It's it's risky, and that's why uh, you know typically you have to be. And I'm sure Andrew can talk more about this. You have to be an accredited investor. Um, well, essentially, these people obviously meet those guidelines to be an accredited investor, so they can make that determination themselves. Is this something that uh, that that is risky? Now, it's now somebody like you who um, you're you got this financial background. You're currently doing all these like high end deals, and your name's Mark Deal. So <laughs> <laughs> I should have been used car salesman. <laughs> yeah. Do I have a deal for you on a on a business car? It'd be perfect. Um, so. Do, how do you manage your money on a, on in your own life? Knowing like just because I I can't imagine like you doing that. It's like it's like me. Like I can't imagine like working all day and marketing for like a, a job and then coming home and like doing the this blog and more marketing. So that's what you're. I mean, you're coming home and you have to do your own finances at home after you spent all day working with these super wealthy investors. How do you do it on your own? Yeah, as far as managing my day to day finances, I. Uh yeah, I, I don't look at it tactically. I now look at it strategically. Luckily, I, I don't have to, you know, say, "Oh, can I, you know, afford the the dry cleaning bill now?" Or I, uh, you right. know, need to do these things. But uh, yeah, strategically, I, I um, you know, take a look at it every, every now and then to see how I'm tracking. I, uh, you know, I recently when, when I when I did the jump from. Uh, 
you know, corporate America, you know, six figure salary and benefits to a company I, I started, you know, myself. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty, uh, that was a pretty, you know, risky and ballsy jump. So there were some financial uh, shifts and changes that, that, that I did. But um, I'll tell you one tool that really helped me out. And I know you guys have spoke, uh, talked about it a few times was, uh, was Mint. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I tell you, Mint. Mint allowed me to, uh, you know, I got to put, you know, I was able to put everything in there. And I was pretty surprised at how flexible it was. Uh, I've got investment properties. It was able to to see that my house is my house, but my my investments are my investments. Um, and, and yeah, it, it did everything. But it, it was a, essentially an, an, an unbiased mathematical tool to tell me, Mark, you and your family are going to be okay. Don't right. worry about it. Don't worry about it, because obviously I had nest eggs built up. I had buffers, you know, whatever you want to call it. But uh, you know, it got, you know, Mint allowed me to look at my my personal finances, my business finances for for companies that I own outright. Um, you know, there's there's companies that I have a uh, I have a share in that uh, to just pull that into Mint would be, uh, you know, at first when I tried that, it, it just it gave me a, a, a weird financial picture, but I pulled that out. But yeah, it's it's a it's an unbiased um, you know budgeting and planning tool, and uh, yeah, I love it. I don't have to do anything for it. I uh, I'll, I'll jump in, log in, and say, hey, you know, at the you know in in the next you know in the new month, it's January, so right. you know December's over. So after all my little you know, dividends and, and movements and everything had, had, had panned out, I could look back and say, hey, where, you know, what was my, um, you know, what was my net income? Was I, was I positive or negative? And, uh, and what's the trend? And yeah, I don't have to do any of this stuff. I just log on. It shows me. And what'd you do before that? Before Mint was it before you started using Mint? Well, I'm a, <laughs> I'm kind of an Excel jockey, um, so I, I love Excel. I, I love math. Uh, you know, I was a, a risk analyst. I used to build stochastic models to generate random numbers for all this different outcomes and everything. But I remember being in the Navy. You know, before we, I really had any of that stuff. You know, sitting down at the, you know, next to the reactor for four hours in the middle of the night, or maybe it was the middle of the day. I, I couldn't tell. We were <laughs> down in the reactor spaces. You can't see the sun. Yeah. Uh, if something's glowing, typically it's that's not a good sign. I've but, seen Mikhail's um, Navy, so I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> it's just like that. <laughs> Is it <just> like that? <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not at all, Matt. So wackiness um, ensues. Yeah, I used to have um, those little, you know, uh, I guess logbooks that would fit in your back pocket. You know, little tiny, you know, back pocket flip charts, and I would create my own amortization tables. Um, you know, with with that, uh, a pen wow. and uh, and a a simple calculator that I had at my watch, you know, station. I mean, they didn't, you know, let us have all these like cool graphing calculators because they knew a bunch of nukes would hack it and put Pac Man on a TI eighty one or something like that. <laughs> so uh, we, uh, you know, just had these, um, you know, basic calculators. And uh, yeah, so I, I'd create my own amortization tables, uh, you know, for the uh, the first house that I owned, and just kind of say, well, if my car payment is this, and uh, you know, my girlfriend's shopping bill is this, and <laughs> that sort of stuff. So yeah, I tell you what, it was um, it, it would take me. You know, hours and hours and hours uh, to do something that Mint just does automatically, and it does it a hundredfold uh, in in all sorts of different areas. I'm also surprised at how much Mint, you know, what they talk to. I uh, 
when I like, hey, I've got this crazy financial holding in such and such, there's no way you have connection. Uh, sure enough, they do. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, how do I pull that in? So it's it's pretty cool. I'm also, um, uh, you know, I was a student of, uh, oh man, I forgot the author's name, but, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. What's oh, the author? Oh God, what is his name? We were just talking about him. Yeah, so. Um, Tony something? Is it Tony? No, no, I think it's Robert something. Yeah, we're going to uh, look it up. Begins with a K. I, I know think, he's Hawaiian. Yeah, I was about to say he's from Hawaii. We all remember that. So, uh, but yeah, it's it's funny, you know. And uh, but looking at Mint and uh, and just remember some of the concepts of that book. And in, in my own personal life, I'm like, oh, okay, they they call this an asset. You know, he would call that a doodad. So it doesn't really count. Uh, you know, to to your net worth. Um, so kind of ignore that. But uh, yeah, anyway, there's a really long winded way of answering a simple question. Uh, and and that would be yeah, Mint was. Is a great unbiased budgeting tool. It doesn't lie to you and tell you you're going to be okay. It doesn't. Um, and you know what? It's funny because it's it sounds like a commercial for Mint, but it's <laughs> it really like just the fact that I think. Uh, and, and again, we, we and I swear we didn't we didn't pay Mark to say any of this stuff. But we are <laughs> but we are coming out with a book that has to do with Mint, and we because we want people to use it. I use it. Andrew uses it. Obviously, Live Mark by uses it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and here's the thing, is that I'm terrible with money. I use Mint. It's gotten me better. Andrew's good with money. He uses Mint. It made him even better than he already is. Mark, same story with you. It's like you were doing – you were in a – what fucking blows my mind is that you're in a submarine. <laughs> like next to – like you're looking watching at like nuke meters, which is just in general crazy. Uh, and then you're sitting there making – I don't even know what an amortization chart is. That's how <laughs> – It's like, it's like just, payments for your mortgage. Okay, mortgage payments. And like you're building these charts with p- pen and paper and now it's like – I mean imagine. Do they have internet on uh, submarines? <laughs> <laughs> they, it didn't exist back then. <laughs> well, no, not that. I mean now. But can, can a guy now uh, be in a submarine and check his min account on his iPhone? Uh no, uh, when you're when you're greater than 400 feet below sea level, <laughs> I, I, th- I think that's the uh, the the unclassified term for it. But yeah, there's there's not too many communications that work down there. You got a wow. a float a buoy just to get radio con. Yeah, anyway. Um. <laughs> but that's pretty awesome. That's a cool that's a cool story because I mean, just I don't know, doing financial stuff at the bottom of the ocean is just. It's just crazy. Well, I, I tell you what, it, it it was a great saving tool because you're out there for six months. You're like, all right, well, I'm not going to be spending much for the next six months. Yeah, uh, you're just <laughs> racking up the money. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> what, what will this mean for me? So, um, you know what? That's good advice. If you want to save money, join the Navy and get and a, be a nuke. And, yeah, and be a nuke. Go deep, <laughs> deep underwater, and you'll you'll save money like crazy. <laughs> Uh okay well yeah there's a- <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous but it is a way there is a way to save at you know um I don't know Andrew do you have any questions before we before we wrap things up no I mean I actually really like how it kind of uh, all tied back together yeah and-, and and I think we'll have to follow up with Matt later on how he can get a million dollar investment from someone in China yeah why not. <laughs> shouldn't be a big deal but i want to ask one more question before we leave mark um do you have any advice for our listeners out there who are you know just trying to manage their money i know you you mentioned mint which is great advice uh but do you have anything else that you can share with us yeah i tell you what um 
there's a couple things that uh, you know. I see a lot of people that you know checking uh, Twitter accounts and ch- and checking their Facebook and stuff on their on their phone. Well, um, you know, one of the things I did is uh, I, I moved all the, the the social stuff away and I, I put the the mint icon as well as my uh, my Evernote. And I said, look, this is the stuff I'm going to check. So if I've got uh, you know some time, I'm going to learn about what's what's happening. You know, as far as you know, my financial picture as well as you know what I need. You know, my Evernote's kind of you know my my offline brain, so I, yeah. I, I put everything in there. You you so, use Mint and Evernote. I like you so much. Right now. <laughs> well, it's funny because I'll uh you know I'll run into uh, to a colleague of mine and he's like, oh hey, did you hear that uh, you know Stacy's kids are having a birthday party? It's on Facebook. I'm like oh no, I, I I missed that man. And then he's like, oh you know my my mortgage payments due today. I was like. All right, but you knew about you know this this third person birthday party, but you you didn't realize what was happening in in your own life. So yeah, uh, they focus yeah. on the things that are not important. <laughs> yeah, was, and you know, it's well, funny you bring that up because last night I decided to delete all of those social apps off my phone. So I now went from like three pages on my iPhone, roughly, of apps to one page, and the only thing I'm looking at it now, the only thing that's currently on there is uh. It's Mint and Evernote and <laughs> a guitar tuning app and Lyft, and which is like that's all I check every single day. And I, I used to check Facebook like all freaking day. I used to check Twitter all freaking day. It's like and a disease. That stuff. Yeah, and it doesn't. You know what? Doesn't make you money. Doesn't make you a better person in any way, shape, or form. And you know, it was just. And and you know what? I was checking it during wa- watching TV. I would check it. So I wasn't mm-hmm. paying attention to what was on TV. So why was I even watching TV in the first place? And it's it's a huge distraction and a uh, a productivity halt. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's a good, I, that's good advice. I, if you, I do have uh, three other quotes. I, I don't know their quotes because uh, I can't re- really remember who told told them to me. But mm-hmm. they really kind of helped shape my uh, you know the way I thought about finances. And the first one was like. If you're not in control of your own finances, then someone else is going to make money controlling it for you. Uh, so, like essentially, the credit one. the credit card companies. You know, if you're mm-hmm. going out like, "Hey, I need this, I need that," charge, charge, charge. Credit card companies are going to love you, love you, love you, love you. I haven't paid you know credit card interest uh, in like 17 years or, or, or whatever, and I, but I charge like crazy. So, yeah. But I, I I'm in control, not not the credit card companies. You're considered a deadbeat to them. Oh yeah, I know, I know, definitely. <laughs> and, and in fact, uh, oh Andrew, uh, when uh, one of your earlier podcasts I was listening to, and you were talking about all these credit card fees, I went and looked. I I don't want to even go into it, but I was paying bank fees for stuff that I thought was kind of you know, just nickel and diming. I just started adding it up. I was like, wait a minute, I don't need to pay you know you guys for any of this stuff because yeah. no, they're so. they're just assholes. You gave them <laughs> your money so they could lend it to other people. They oh. should be giving you stuff. They they definitely yeah they definitely should uh, so yeah thank you for that yeah the the second one was uh, and these next two may sound counterintuitive but I'll try to explain it and hopefully uh, uh, you know ev- everyone will understand but um, the next one is don't borrow money when you need it borrow money when you don't and um, and and that was really key to me especially when I I had. Uh, you know, I was working at um, you know big corporate job, and uh, you know I had all this money, um, so I didn't, 
you know, that was, uh, you know, I didn't need money, but before I quit, that's when I leveraged everything. So I had rental properties. I went and got mortgages. I had a, you know, relatively new car. I, I went and got a car loan, which is crazy. I know it's kind of anti, you know, what you say, Andrew, you know, don't pay all this interest. But for me, it was kind of like, let me build some of the stuff up now. Cause, um, you know, now when they look at my, um, you, you know, the, the tax returns from a company like, but you know, you're, you're essentially self-employed, you know, looking at, and they won't give you anything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so now I'm like, look, you know, now if I need money, I don't need to borrow it from, from any of you guys. Cause I, I've already borrowed, you know, much more than, uh, than I should ever <laughs> need. Um, so you got the last laugh then. I, I, I somewhat did. Well, if, if my last check bounces when I die, then I got the last laugh. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and, one of my brokers told me this, uh, uh, you know, a couple years ago, and uh, it really kind of shined a light on on a number of things, and uh, and that was any problem that can be solved with money really isn't a problem, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, yeah, it's not a problem if you have money. Well, the the point is, there's plenty of money out there. Um, and you can either spend a lot of money or or save a lot of money. You can make a lot of money or, or make a little bit of money, but uh, it you know money it travels through time. It travels through hands. It, hell, it even travels uh, you know across country lines. But uh, if if there's a problem and you can solve it with with money, it's really not a problem. It's a challenge. You just got to figure out is it worth you know that price that you're going to pay or or not. You know when Steve Jobs passed away. I'm sure he didn't want to die. And, and look, this is the guy that created the technology that's changed a lot of people's lives. So mm. he had a problem he could not solve with money. Pretty much everything else, you know, he conquered. So, uh, yeah, I just sorry to run over, but uh, yeah, those three things I really wanted to pass on to you. Uh, to your I know, audience. I like that. Thanks yeah. for yeah. yeah, most definitely. So, all right, Mark, where can people find out more about you? And maybe like if they're interested in in connecting with you, where where do you where do you hang out online? Oh, obviously uh, not Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I just deleted my Facebook app. Oh man, I went to my uh, my reunion and everyone knew all about me because all the stuff I was on Facebook. I, that's when I realized <laughs> I need to get off this Facebook thing. Um, yeah, I would say uh, I'm on a number of uh, of websites, but if they were to learn a little bit about uh, you know my company, Foreign Investor Resource Group, just mm. Google Foreign Investor Resource Group. We're at foreignirg.com, right? And uh, I would say. The best way to uh, to reach me is uh, um, connect with me on LinkedIn because you know, sure, I'm I'm a, I'm a nice guy, but my connections are great. Okay, great. <laughs> and um, so you're in, and you're in Fizzle, which we had just talked to Caleb, who uh, is one of the co-founders of Fizzle. And uh, are you what are you you're learning uh, stuff on Fizzle to help your the foreign IRG foreign IRG um, business that you have, right? Yeah, essentially, uh, you know, I, I went the traditional, you know, school route, MBA, and all that sort of stuff. So a, a lot of these, you know, newer technologies and stuff that uh, you know the three C's are teaching. Uh, you know, Caleb being one of them, it, it's really eye opening. And uh, so, yeah, I jumped into that uh, that community to to learn a lot more about, uh, you know, how do I connect with. Uh, you know my audience. How do I how do I really build a community to to engage folks, and how do I, you know, position our products and services to to really answer what they they need and kind of anticipate where they need to be next, but do it in a way that, uh, um, a little more savvy. Yeah, a little bit more savvy. A little more modern, uh, I guess. Yeah, a little bit exactly. A little so bit are, more savvy. A little bit more modern. Are you planning on doing a blog, or you have a blog on your site now? I see, but 
are you planning on diving more into that? Yeah. Uh, in fact, I just talked to my business partner today about uh, our blog strategy, and uh, yeah, we had like this 3D matrix. I don't even know how we did it, but uh, basically came up with 36, uh, you know, next blog topics. Uh, you know, we wrote. Um, I think I, I wrote a handful of blogs. Uh, you know, some were great, some were crap, and uh, and now listening to Fizzle, I know exactly why the ones that were that did really well did well. The ones that didn't work out didn't work out. Right. So. Uh, yeah, uh, my uh, my website host is like, oh, you got a blog. I'm like, all right, but they really didn't, you know, give you the the tools or understanding to know what that meant. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Fizzle did. Cool. All right, Mark, it was great talking to you, and um, you know, we hope to have you on again sometime soon. We'll talk more about personal finance and whatever else there is. I'm sure there's there'll be more topics as the time progresses. Yeah, sounds good. I and tell you what, if anyone puts any questions up on uh, like an iTunes review or Stitcher review, uh, yeah, bring me on. I can I can help answer them. If, yeah, that, if they want to talk to me, perfect. And uh, I just want to thank our audience, Andrew. I know you like to thank our audience every time we leave a podcast because they're so important and it's the reason we do the show. Yeah, guys, you're awesome. Yeah. I mean, we do it for them, and it's awesome when you guys email us and tell us great things that's what we do it for yep and if you guys could leave a positive review on itunes that would be awesome because that's how things that's how we make and grow and stitcher if you're an android user we're on stitcher um visit there and you can find this podcast on our website which is listedmoneymatters.com and andrew mark thank you so much guys for being on and i'll talk to you guys later yeah thanks later guys all right see ya Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest review on iTunes. And for more information, visit listenmoneymatters.com. Peach out, home slice.